Good morning, I'm Tracy Dokes, President and CEO of MCNC, and I want to thank you for joining us again on MCNC Community Connect. This is a podcast where leaders and innovators regularly meet to discuss some of today's hottest technology topics and trends. Each episode is aimed to inspire fresh ideas and to have important conversations around technology's increasing role in economic development, digital equity and inclusion, broadband infrastructure, cybersecurity, and more. Today, I'm joined by two very impactful guests. They are colleagues who work together to bring digital equity and inclusion to the residents of Winston-Salem and Forsyth County, Lakeisha Jordan and Layla Garms. Thank you both for joining me today. So let's meet today's guests. Lakeisha, can you share a little bit more about yourself and introduce our listeners to the mission of WinstonNet? Good morning, thank you so much. Certainly. Well, first, let me say thank you, Tracy, for allowing us the opportunity to be here. It's always really great to be able to talk about technology in a, a really great space or platform created just for that. So I am Lakeisha Jordan. I am the executive director of WinstonNet right here in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And I've been in this role for almost two years. And so this has been a great opportunity for me to learn, grow, and develop, um, you know, the thought processes around what the needs are in Winston-Salem as it relates to digital equity. So WinstonNet has been around far longer than I've been here, um, at least here with WinstonNet. WinstonNet has been here about 21 years. Um, and the mission of WinstonNet is to close the digital divide by providing residents of Winston-Salem for Scythe County all of the necessary computer literacy skills, affordable internet access, and the computing devices to enable them to participate in the economic prosperity. Um, we want to engage them socially and civically in our community. And so this is what WinstonNet has been doing for 20 years, and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank you for sharing that. Layla? Hi, everybody. I'm Layla Garms. I work with the Winston-Salem Foundation. Um, so FCDE came together in 2020 to really try to capitalize on something that was unique and was happening in our community. Um, our school district had been really progressive and had distributed some Chromebooks and hotspots to all school-age students in the community who needed them. And we started reflecting on the difference it would make to those families to have internet available in their homes. And um, so we started to recognize that that could have a huge impact on their lives. And so we brought together some other community partners, um, including WinstonNet, to help us think through how we could extend that access to individuals and families beyond the scope of the pandemic. And I think the goal of our of FCDE is just to have everyone in our community have access to affordable, high-speed internet, as well as internet-enabled devices and the knowledge they need to be able to take advantage of all of those wonderful resources. Thank you, Layla. And for those of you who may not know, FCDE is Forsyth County's Digital Equity Initiative. And um, we're so glad that you are joining us to talk more about that. So we've discussed in other episodes, access to affordable broadband is not a nice to have, but rather a critical element in achieving success in education, healthcare, employment, and in ensuring digital equity across all populations. 
recognizing the role the internet plays in people's lives and seeing that residents of Forsyth County were being left behind, the Forsyth County Digital Equity Planning and Steering Committees conducted a three-month study to develop a clear picture of digital inequities and to begin developing solutions for bridging the gap or the digital divide. The committees conducted interviews, mapped the county, surveyed community members and stakeholders, and developed the county's first ever digital equity plan. We are very eager to hear the results from Lakeisha and Layla. So first, can you describe the communities in Forsyth County and how do they compare to other populations in the state socioeconomically and in their level of connectedness? Who would like to take that one? I can, I can start off on that one, Tracy. Mm-hmm. Um, so Forsyth County, like a lot of counties in North Carolina has a mix of urban and rural communities and the barriers to connectivity really vary based on which type of community you live in. So in our rural communities, they tend to be impacted by a lack of infrastructure like last mile connectivity. And our urban communities often have the infrastructure nearby but can't afford to bring it into their homes. And then because of structural racism that's been practiced in our country for centuries, Communities of color are often left behind when infrastructure improvements are brought into a given community. And we see this reflected with digital inclusion as well, unfortunately. Um, And because these communities have been historically plagued by disinvestment, they often do not rise to the top for internet service providers when they're looking for places to improve or expand their infrastructure. And that's why we think it's really important for our plan to focus its interventions on communities of color first in an effort to just begin leveling that playing field. So, Layla, we talked a little bit about this um, with Secretary Raimondo when she was here um, a few months ago, but I'd, I'd like to ask what challenges are consistent with other counties within North Carolina, if you know, and throughout the U.S.? And the reason I'm asking that question was because we had this discussion with Secretary Raimondo about having a model um, in North Carolina that could be used for other states. Do you think there's some consistency around the challenges that other North Carolina counties and states across the U.S. have that would allow for this kind of model to be replicated? Let me take that one for you, Layla. Um, So what we discover is that our challenges are much like those faced in many communities across the nation. I mean, you know, we have those who have the challenge of access, you know, there are barriers to just having devices. These challenges are very similar. When we look at our nation, as Layla just spoke about that, you know, we see that what we tend to do is duplicate what happens all over until we have this nation of just challenge. And so with that being said, when we think about the digital divide and we think about digital equity, those disenfranchised communities are the ones that are suffering most. And so every time that we look at these um, digital equity plans, we see the same thing. It's it's a pattern. And so with that being said, we feel that our plan, um, which focuses on access, it focuses on devices, and it focuses on training, is something that could definitely be duplicated throughout the nation because those, again, those challenges are everywhere. Winstonet's been doing this for quite some time. And so we've seen it on a very small scale. We've seen our footprint within Winston-Salem show that when people receive access, 
when they receive devices, and then when they have the training, they're able to thrive. And so we want to see that across Forsyth County, and we want to see that across the nation. Thank you. Layla said something really interesting that has been so loud and clear across uh, many of these conversations, and it really is around access and affordability. And yes, devices play a huge role in this too, but I understand during conversations with the county residents, you found that only 16% of households had no internet access. And those who had access to the internet, 17% of them only have one device. And over half the time, that device is a smartphone. So these residents are obviously, like you both mentioned, at a distinct advantage when it comes to completing homework, having the ability to remote work, and even connecting to healthcare resources during the pandemic. When you surveyed county residents, three main issues seem to come in a kind of a sharp relief. Can you talk about those three main barriers that especially these lower income populations face? Which one of you would like to take that? I'll take that, Tracy. Um, so the three main barriers residents in our community face were cost, accessibility, and lack of digital education. Um, so the information we found, as you mentioned, many households did not have internet access due to the high cost of services. And a lot of families were having to make really difficult decisions between meeting necessities such as groceries and medication or providing internet in the home. Um, so when stacked against these very basic needs, internet access is not going to become be a priority. Um, but most of the individuals that did have access in the home like you mentioned, it was only a smartphone, and we recognize that that makes it very difficult to utilize the full scope of the internet. For things like school projects and job applications, um, a lot of these types of, of things do not lend themselves to mobile platforms. So that was one of the biggest barriers that we recognized among our community. So the first two barriers you mentioned, you know, cost and accessibility are affected by available resources and technologies. And to a degree, as you mentioned, based on providers like Last Mile um, infrastructure and of course market prices. But the last barrier you mentioned, which is lack of digital education, is considered in some circles a softer obstacle, um, arguably. Uh, what did your residents have to say about the part digital literacy played in their overall preparedness or how um, included in the digital economy they felt? Well, I'd like to speak to that. I personally had the opportunity to speak with several residents and to connect and kind of hear their stories. And so although affordability, as stated, and access were huge barriers for many of our residents, what we learned is that when you have those two, when you have the access, when you have the device, if you don't know how to use it, that's the challenge. I remember speaking to some caregivers who had smaller children in their care. And so what they said was when the schools went to virtual learning, they were unable to support these children. They didn't know how to troubleshoot the device. They didn't understand, you know, what it meant if the internet went out. What do I do? How do I fix that for them? And a lot of times those children suffered. And so I think that, 
you know, those what people say are soft skills are extremely important. Um, one of the other things we learned is that there were residents who wanted to look at career advancement. And so it wasn't just about how can I complete the application? It was about how can I work within that job and be successful? How can I have the skill set necessary to thrive on my job? And so what we saw was that once we are able to provide digital literacy, that then builds confidence skills and allows them to look towards more economic growth for them. And so we really understand that this is not necessarily a soft skill. This is equally as important as the the other barriers. So question about that. Um, I think with, you know, the other two barriers, they're a little easier to measure, right? So how do you measure the success of digital literacy? How do we know that the population that we're talking about are fully trained, so to speak, in digital education? How is that measured? Cost is easy to measure. Accessibility can be measured. But what about digital literacy? How how do you know that the program has been successful? That's a really great question. Um, Wixtonet has kind of been digging in the digital literacy for a very long time. So we have a partnership with Forsyth Tech Community College, as well as Forsyth Public Library Systems. And so we do a lot of surveys. um, We measure the students' uh, knowledge when they come into the program. And we also measure it when they leave. One of the things that we learned during COVID is how do we make sure that they understand when they're not in front of us? So, you know, a lot of times you'll get the nods and things like that. So what we created was a hybrid approach. So they will start courses early on face-to-face, and then we'll give them the opportunity to go hybrid, which means that they're not necessarily on their own. They're they're guided by the instructor, instructor, but it's an online guidance. And so what we've seen is when we look at those surveys at the end of class, um, this five-week class in particular, we see the growth. We see that they understand the concepts and we see that they're able to, one, create a resume. That's a big thing for us. We want to see that they can create a resume on their own. Two, use certain applications online. And so that's pretty important. So when we're measuring these things, it may not be, you know, the measurements like the other in terms of dollars and things like that, but it's a knowledge base. So I think that when we look at Forsyth County Digital Equity, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to come in and we're going to see where they are when they start the program and see where they are when they finish based on surveys and just trying to figure out what strategy we need to use to make sure that we get them to a better place. Got it. Layla, do you have any comments about that? Do you agree, disagree? What are your thoughts around the measurability? Yeah, I I definitely agree that we've seen a lot of growth for the little bit of work that we've been able to do as FCDE. Like like Lakeisha said, uh, Winston Net's been at this much longer, which is why they're such an incredible and valuable uh, partner in this work. Excellent. Excellent. So, you know, now that the results are in and the opportunities abound to address the inequities and to include these outlier groups into the connected community, Among the recommendations the FCDR plan proposes are addressing infrastructure and policy, as well as public-private partnerships. For decades, WinstonNet has brought together lots of partners in business, academics, and social institutions to help bridge technology and connectivity gaps. 
Lakeisha, could you tell us about some of your past successes as well as what new projects or initiatives might spring from the SADE plan? Absolutely. So I think it's pretty easy to talk about programmatic successes, but I, I guess I want to talk about the bigger picture. I view our successes, I, I think they come from collaboration. So we're partnered, as you stated, with many of the area's major academic, public, community, and private institutions. And our goal is to kind of coordinate all those resources to support strengthening the services in our community technology centers. So WISTINET has about 25 computer technology centers where we focus on helping residents um, have that access so they can go in any center, use the Wi-Fi, use the computers, and they're really able to connect. And so um, our board also consists of a collaborative of leaders. And these are some of the top leaders in technology in Winston-Salem. So we have Wake Forest University at the table. We have Wake Forest Baptist Medical, Winston-Salem State University, UNC School of the Arts, Salem College, Forsyth Tech Community College, the Winston-Salem Forsyth County School Systems, the city of Winston-Salem and Forsyth County government. And so I think that having the right entities at the table and represented on our board has really helped us to develop those relationships that we have in the community. So I wanna give you an example of what that looks like and tie that into these successes and into what we have that's new. So this is pretty exciting. Um, I talked about, we have those computer technology centers. Well, 18 of those centers are actually located in rec centers, city rec centers throughout our community. So that's a strong partnership that we have. Um, we also, our net computer purchase program, this is the program where we have individuals that attend a five-week training. And I talked about those measures that we have for that program. This is in partnership with Forsyth Tech Community College and Forsyth County Public Library Systems. What we're looking at doing right now, and Layla's going to talk a little bit about it, as well, um, we have been awarded or we've been approved for a ARPA award. And so that's super exciting um, because we worked very hard to kind of figure out what is it that Forsyth County needs and how can we bring this to the table? And we develop what we call a pilot project. That pilot project, what we're going to do is we're going to utilize those rec centers, so the city rec centers, and we're going to beef them up and, and add all kinds of technology, but what we're calling it is the computer art and music lab. So this is our CAM lab. Individuals will be able to go into the computer art music lab. They can record music. They can, you know, develop different skills. They can work on different arts, and we'll have other community members and DJs and artists come in and support them in that. So that's something that we're super excited about bringing to our community. We think that this will not only impact young people, it will impact those who maybe if thought about having a music career or thought about doing something, recording something, they go in there and they just let that artistic side of them just flow. We have some crime issues here in Winston-Salem. So we want to create these opportunities to bring young people in, you know, and I think that this is going to be great. We're also going to expand um, all of our rec centers and what we're going to do is provide smart boards in each of the rec centers. And in that, what we hope to do is if we have a training going on on the east side of Winston-Salem at a rec center, we'll be able to broadcast that same training on the north side of Winston-Salem. Therefore, there's one instructor, one training, but any rec center can be able to access that. Therefore, any resident in that community. And so for us, that is exciting. We're going to provide that digital literacy and internet training, job seeker training, you know, resume building, things like that. 
um, and really focus on how do we create a guide. A lot of times, you know, we talk about all these trainings, but then we direct people to the internet <laughs> to find out about them. Well, we need something that they can take with them, a guide on how to locate resources, how to locate wraparound services so that they can, you know, grow and develop as it relates to digital literacy. So we're really excited about this. We're hopefully are going to launch this early January, but we're super excited. Wow. So what I heard from you is all of these success stories are really due to these great partnerships that you've had, rather it, you know, whether it be with on the academic side and even funding opportunities that help support um, these programs. And that's really, really great to hear. Um, we've heard a lot of uh, emphasis on collaboration and partnership as it relates to broadband issues. Uh, Layla, what are some of the proposed efforts to address community awareness, education, and digital literacy do you hope to support? That's a great question, Tracy. So one of our earliest efforts to address these elements have been our Digital Tech Connect events, which FCDE has been fortunate to sponsor in conjunction with WinstonNet. Um, these are events that combine training with distribution of free devices. So that's kind of the carrot for people to participate. Um, individuals who complete the training are also eligible to pursue additional training and education, which is offered by a variety of entities in our community, including WinstonNet, Forsyth Technical Community College, and the Forsyth County Public Library. And both of those are huge partners as, as Lakeisha mentioned. Um, FCDE also plans to train up some digital navigators across the community who can aid their neighbors in navigating devices in the internet. And we're working with a couple of community partners to do that. Part of the vision is to have individuals from their own communities helping their fellow neighbors. Um, so people that already kind of have existing relationships within the communities, we think will make that training even stronger. And we're also pursuing some additional funding, which if we receive it, that will enable FCDE to conduct some asset mapping, lead community meetings and roundtables, and work with other community-based organizations to help spread the word about our work and the resources we can provide to the community. Wow. You know, um, I've heard so much about these digital uh, navigators and how important they are in the communities that they serve. And so one of the questions I have for you, Layla, do we have enough of them to support our communities right now, particularly as it relates to Forsyth County? It's a really good question. So we are still in the very, very early stages of, of the digital navigation program. So I would say at this time we do not, but I think part of the beauty of that program is that once individuals learn, they can also teach others what they know. And so I think as Lakeisha named, it's so important to have someone kind of sit beside you as you're trying to navigate these things and, and help you as you're kind of in, encountering barriers or, or, or hiccups in the process. And so I think they'll be incredibly valuable um, but we, because of the many community partners that we have at the table as part of FCDE, I think we have many resources to help us get access to individuals who want to become trained as navigators and to support their communities in that way. So the short answer is no, not yet, um, but hopefully in the next uh, 12 to 18 months, we really will have a strong force of digital navigators in our community. 
So Lakeisha mentioned the ARPA funding that WinstonNet and the community was able to, to receive for some of the work that they're doing. Layla, you mentioned uh, funding as well. Are you going after some specific funding to support uh, some of these initiatives that you've just spoken about? Yes, we are. And FCD has been incredibly fortunate that we've had funders at the table um, from the very beginning of our effort. Um, Kate B. Reynolds and the Z. Smith Reynolds um, Foundation both supported us very early on and helped to make possible for us to create the robust plan that you see. Um, they gave us the funding that we needed to be able to pursue um, a partnership with a national consultant to put that plan together for us and help us conduct the research. Um, and we've also been fortunate to receive grants from the state. Um, we, were, we were an early recipient of Band MC grant funding, which also helped to support our plan. So I think that's been a really important and key element in this process. Our funders are at the table, they participate in our steering committee meetings. And so um, they're very aware of and supportive of our work and we continue to actively seek funding um, in order to expand it. Well, and you know, we started this conversation around the section of our conversation was great partnerships. And what I'm hearing from you, Layla, is great partnerships is what helps support these um, efforts uh, across the communities. And that is really, really great to hear, particularly about the some of the funding organizations sit on the board. So they have an opportunity to see the plan in action and, and understand what's going on, which is uh, kudos to the both of you. Um, so in May, the Secretary of Commerce, Gina Raimondo, spoke in Durham about the $45 billion federal funds available for broadband programs nationwide through Broadband Equity Access and Deployment Program, also known as BEAD. Secretary Raimondo said, in the 21st century, you simply cannot participate in the economy if you don't have access to reliable, affordable, high-speed internet. Her goal, as is uh, President Biden's, is to ensure that every American can count on the access to attend class, start a small business, visit with their doctor, and participate in the modern economy. And uh, I know Lakeisha and I sat at the Digital Equity Roundtable when you know they, they talked about this internet for all program. And you know, Lakeisha, you and I sat there. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that discussion with the secretary was like? Absolutely. I, you know, it was an honor to be able to be invited to such an event. Um, I came representing not only Winstonet, but Forsyth County Digital Equity. And, and so when we thought about what this is going to do for our community, it's like, you know, wow, they get, they finally get it. The federal government finally gets it. You know, this is work that organizations across the United States have been doing for years and we saw it coming. And so now we're at a point where there has to be change. And so for Secretary Romano to come and just, you know, announce the rollout of Internet for All, it, it really was, like I say, an honor. But more than that, she wanted to know from us, what needs to happen next? What have you been doing? Where are we now? 
and where do we need to go and how will we work together to get there? And so she posed this question to everyone at that table. And so we began to have dialogue around where we are right now, what we've seen, what the community needs, what has worked, what doesn't work. So I think that, you know, as they rolled out this internet for all initiative, we still need to create awareness at our local government level um, at state government. I mean, there's a lot that needs to be done because everyone needs to be in this fight. And so um, one of the things that I mentioned in that in that meeting, I said, you know, there, there was this campaign when I was a little girl, it was about got milk. You know, all I knew is that <laughs> I needed to drink milk, right? And so internet is so important. I told them, I said, we need a campaign and we need to say got internet. <laughs> and so yeah, yeah. roll that out to help the community understand, you know, what they need to thrive. It could be someone sitting there saying, you know, I, I just don't know how to get to the next level. I'm afraid. I don't know how to use this computer. I don't have internet. What do I need? And so if we begin to create that awareness from a top-down approach, you know, we've been doing it for years all over the United States, but now we have our leaders saying, hey, let's get this done. Man, that was just like, it was a vote of confidence. It was knowing that we have the backing and now the funding to do so. That meant a whole lot. Yeah, it certainly did. And, um, you know, my response to the secretary was, you know, having a holistic view, right? Because MCNC is a middle mile provider. We can build um, connectivity and fiber across the state, but without people like you and Layla um, that can take that and turn it into something useful for these communities that are unserved and underserved. And so one of the things that I'm very, very concerned about is the disconnect between, for example, the billion dollars of middle mile funding and what that could mean to the communities that this um, middle mile will run through, right? So we have 200 miles that we're proposing um, to get grant funding for in this uh, middle mile. But there's not a whole lot of conversation with the communities along the way to know, hey, there's going to be some connectivity that a last mile provider could utilize to connect these um, communities. And we should be putting pressure um, on these um, providers in order to do that. Layla, what do you think? And Lakeisha, too. How do we um, connect those dots between uh, all of these um, awards that may come from middle mile funding through these communities and the work that you all are doing that really sits on top of that. That's a really big concern of mine. So either one of you that can answer the question or ask more questions about it, because I'm just really intrigued by this holistic view. I think that's a, a really great question. Um, one of the things that we're um, considering here is bringing all the ISPs to the table. So there's so much going on. You know, ISPs jumped on this bandwagon very early on. They were trying to figure out how to be a part of the AC program. And, you know, they were strategizing, but the community was not involved, as you stated. And so um, what we would like to do is work with our city government to say, hey, we're going to bring the ISPs to the table. We're going to ask those hard questions. We're going to see 
are you in in this for the community? Are you just in it for yourselves? How can we make sure that we close this gap? Because, you know, we're going to have to work together and, and there's no way around it. You know, we have to work together, but our city government and our county government, they have to hold our ISPs accountable. So I think that one of the big things is um, to have those roundtables, to make sure that everyone is on the same page and to hold all of us accountable, you know, and just kind of move from there. Yeah, I agree. Layla? I think one of the things that you named, Tracy, that's really important is creating that kind of groundswell of support, getting the broader community to recognize that this is a civil rights issue, that this is something that keeps people from being able to participate in society. And we need an outcry to say that that's not okay, and that we need to do better by all of our residents. And I think once you start to hear that pressure from the broader community saying this is something we value and prioritize, then internet service providers and municipalities will follow suit. Yeah, I, I totally agree with, with both of you, and I like your approach. Uh, one of the other things that I mentioned um, in that meeting, Layla, if you remember about a pilot that MCNC worked on, um, and the technology was there, and we were all very excited. It happened to go through a non-English speaking community, and their response to the access was, I'm not doing that. And there was no one there to really sit with this community and talk to them um, about the value of uh, having this connectivity, what it could mean to them, what it could mean to their children. Are you seeing, um, can you talk a little bit about that as it relates to digital equity too? Because language barriers are going to be significant in some of the counties that people are talking about building fiber through. Yeah, I think that that's huge, Tracy, and and relationships are are key and should be the basis of really for all of this work. I think, especially when you're dealing with communities of color, many times they've been harmed by interventions that come into their communities, thinking that they have the solutions and don't consult them or bring them to the table. And that's a mistake that we just can't afford to make with digital inclusion. And so I think that one of the most important elements is to making make sure that you have individuals from the communities you're trying to serve at the table, that they have an opportunity to participate in the planning and the brainstorming and thinking through what the communities need um, and what their, you know, what their neighbors need in order to um, understand um, the resource that is being offered to them and see whether or not it's something they want to engage in. And I think that's the beauty of having things like digital navigators too, because you can have people that you know and trust from your community to come and sit alongside you and answer the questions that you may have. And so I think it's just really important as we move forward that we continue to engage um, community in really authentic ways. Um, if you don't have those relationships, it can, it can get away from you really quickly. It can. And I'm so impressed by the both of you and your approach um, to this very, very difficult problem and issue around digital equity. And I think the models that you all are talking about can be very successful um, across the state. Do you have sister organizations in other counties that are doing something similar or that can do something similar? What are those discussions like if they exist at all? I think that um, 
there are meetings that take place um, quarterly through NCDIT and a lot of counties in North Carolina come together and discuss our challenges. We discuss our successes. Um, we have a lot of discussion around how, you know, basically this process and how it's going. And so I think that those conversations not only provide insight as to challenges in other counties and understanding that we're not unique by any means, but they also provide us the opportunity to brainstorm and work through different barriers. And so I think this is really something great that the state has put together for us. Um, when we think about for for Forsyth County Digital Equity and WinstonNet, when we talk about kind of collaborative partners outside of Forsyth County, we don't necessarily have those who, you know, we turn to to kind of bounce ideas off of when we're doing day to day. But when we think about that bigger picture, absolutely, absolutely. These groups and we even had, we're even on a listserv. <laughs> we're able to get out there and ask questions and share information. And it's very valuable. So one of the things that the secretary asked for when um, you, Lakeisha, described uh, the, the model that um, you all are using in Forsyth County in WinstonNet was to create a model that could be replicated because she was so excited and so um, enthusiastic about the program that you described. Has there been any progress on um, that homework? that the secretary assigned all of us. I just remember it distinctly and I mentioned it to Nate Denny um, a while back as to who's gonna do this homework that she assigned us. Um, Lakeisha or Layla, either one of you can answer that one. Well, I think it's really great. So Annette Taylor's group, um, they are working on developing a state digital equity plan. And so, you know, we're able to lend whatever support we can to, to help with that, that process. Um, they're putting together subcommittees and core committees to kind of bring this work together. So we're hoping to be a part of those committees to, to just assist any way we can. Uh, we think that the plan that we have is a great plan that could be duplicated. Uh, of course, there are always things that we can add to it. There are always, you know, other opportunities to develop that plan even more, but we certainly think that we bring something great to the table and we certainly want to share that on a state level and we hope to be able to. Layla, any thoughts about that? I just think that there's just been a wonderful partnership from day one with the state. We just received an incredible amount of support and encouragement along the way. Um, from from a variety of, of different um, resources at the state level that have just been really invaluable to our work. Um, so I think we're just really grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. Having um, worked at the state previously on and off for about 20 years, I think this is the most uh, support I've ever seen for these programs, particularly around uh, digital equity and inclusion. Do you see the recommendations that your study uncovered? Do you see some additional support from a broader coalition? I know we've talked about quite a few, but any others outside of your circle that you think you might see support from? 
That's a good question. I think that all of the attention that digital inclusion is receiving on the national stage is, is really encouraging. And we're hopeful that that's going to lead into more buy-in and support at the community level. Um, and we're already seeing some really encouraging trends um, recently as we've as FCDE has received several opportunities to approach funders um, to have its work supported in different ways. And I mentioned, we've got some really great partners here locally. And as Lakeisha mentioned earlier, the city of Winston-Salem um, approved a $2 million investment through the ARPA um, funds to Winston-Net on behalf of FCDE. And that's going to allow us to really implement our plan in earnest so we're extremely excited about the support that we've received so far and hope, hope that it will continue. I think one of our big goals is um, to help to center um, the work so that we're, we don't begin working in a lot of different silos across the community, but to be a conduit through which funding can flow and then going out to all of our wonderful community partners who are the real experts at, at doing this work. So we see this as being continuing to be a very highly collaborative process across our community. Layla, that's a very, very good point about not having these silos, but having a conduit where this funding um, moves through in order to, to support our communities. That's a very, very good point. Uh, Lakeisha, any comments about that? No, I, I certainly agree with Layla and we see that plan unfolding. Um, back to, you know, when I spoke about collaborations, because of these collaborations, we're able to bring all of our different community organizations, institutions, um, local government to the table, and they respect the work that Forsyth County Digital Equity has done, and they want to see us as that conduit. So it's really amazing to see this unfold in our community. I would like to add, though, when we talked about the different support of our local foundations, Winston-Salem Foundation has been absolutely amazing. And I, I definitely don't want to go forward without talking about the support that they've provided. Not only do we have Layla as a part of our planning committee, they've also contributed several dollars to be able to support the work that we've done early on. So we definitely want to acknowledge them and, and just a public thank you for all the work that they've done and support they've provided. Wow. Tracy, you mentioned earlier relationships and the importance of that. And I think that that is is one aspect of why our community partners are so important. We as FCDE may not have relationships in the given communities that we want to work in, but our community partners do. And I think that that just really strengthens the work. It absolutely does. It really does. And it's just so heartening to hear how, you know, the relationships that you have and continue to foster are um, bringing a lot of support to these initiatives that we're talking about. So for decades, WinstonNet has worked to include all residents of Forsyth in the digital economy, supporting digital literacy and providing both hardware and network connectivity to thousands of students, business people, and families. Forsyth County Digital Equity Initiative is invested in the same mission and essentially went door to door to understand residents' needs and to develop an ambitious plan for providing for these needs. MCNC stands beside these invaluable organizations and is hopeful that through such partnerships, we can prepare our entire state for the education and economy of the future. I'd like to ask for any final thoughts 
from uh, both of you. And I will start with Layla. Thank you, Tracy. And we just really appreciate this opportunity to spread the word about this important work. I think that digital inclusion, as you mentioned, should be a right and not a luxury. Um, I think my final thought is just, we hear the adage all the time, a rising tide lifts all ships. That is not true when you're talking about um, communities that have been impacted by structural racism for, for decades and centuries. So if we really wanna correct for the inequities that have been perpetuated against certain communities in the past, against certain demographics, we really have to focus our interventions on those communities that have been left out first. So it's really important to know that the work will likely not be successful unless we recognize that the residents of these communities are the experts in what they're experiencing and the barriers that they're facing, and they need to be brought to the table as thought partners when we plan our interventions. Very, very great point. And I support exactly what you're saying wholeheartedly. Never really thought about, you know, that phrase rising tides um, raises all ships or whatever it is, um, that it doesn't work for um, some of these communities that really need help the most in order to be able to participate in the digital economy. I'm going to throw it over to Lakeisha and her Got Internet branding for, uh, <laughs> for broadband. Uh, what are some of your final thoughts? Thank you. I think, Layla, you summed it all up. Um, we're in this together. I know that for Forsyth County Digital Equity, you know, we've not partnered with all of the partners that we need to. We've not dug deep and, and reached down to figure out who all has to be at the table, but we want to. We want to make sure that this is a, a very inclusive process. We want to make sure that there is digital equity for everyone. And so as we continue the work, daily we learn, daily we grow, daily we, we change, and we try to make sure that we're doing what we have to do, that we're good stewards of our resources, our time and our efforts. And so we will continue to do this work and we continue to welcome any organizations and nonprofits, grassroots in our community to join us in this work. We need you at the table. We want you at the table. There is room at the table for all of us. Yeah, I totally agree. And for MCNC, you know, our mission really is um, ensuring that there's an opportunity for everyone to be connected across the state. We have our focus on education and uh, healthcare, especially um, nonprofit health organizations, um, libraries, ensuring that that connectivity is there to even do a lot of this work. And we hope to continue to partner with whomever uh, in order to uh, understand where some of the other technology needs may be from a foundational level as it relates to technology. I want to thank you both for taking the time out with us today. I want to thank the listeners for joining us on MCNC Community Connect. We hope you've enjoyed this very insightful conversation, and we look forward to our next discussion featuring technology leaders and innovators across North Carolina and the nation. You can listen to MCNC Community Connect on www.mcnc.org, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.